We welcome you today. We want to say that when you're in Southern California, you're tremendously welcome to join us here on Saturday mornings at 333 East Colorado Glendale. So come join us at the Community Adventist Fellowship. My topic today is before the door closes. And I'm going to talk about the day when there's going to be no more delay. We're living in a time of opening doors. We're also living in a time of closing doors. And we're living in the time when God's great door of mercy is going to close for the human race. Thomas Carlyle was a great thinker, a great writer, and a great philosopher. And on one occasion, when there was a great storm raging in Scotland, he found his way down to the seashore, stood there transfixed by the storm that was roaring all around him. Somehow, the soul of that great philosopher got caught up in the bigness of it all, and as the lightning flashed over his head, and the breakers crashed at his feet, he cried out, I stand at the center of immensities at the conflux of eternities. I would like to suggest to you today, leaving aside all the religious hype, that that is exactly where we stand in the history of this world, at the center of immensities and at the conflux of eternities. And today I want to talk about the great events, greater than anything we have experienced that are about to burst upon this planet. Would you please take your Bible and turn with me to Revelation chapter 11 today. Revelation chapter 11 and verse 15 and onwards, and I'm so glad to see everybody here today with a copy of the Bible, the Word of God. Revelation chapter 11 and verse 15 and onwards, this is a Bible reading, Bible believing congregation. The Bible says the seventh angel sounded his trumpet and there were loud voices in heaven which said the kingdom of the world has become the kingdom of our Lord and of his Christ and he will reign forever and ever. And the 24 elders who were seated on their thrones before God fell on their faces and worshiped God saying, we give thanks to you, Lord God Almighty, the one who is and who was because you've taken your great power and have begun to reign. The nations were angry and your wrath has come. The time has come for judging the dead and for rewarding your servants, the prophets and your saints and those who reverence your name, both small and great, and for destroying those who destroy the earth. Before we go any further, underline those words in your mind. The Bible says that in the end of time, Jesus will destroy those who are destroying the earth. And verse 19 is a picture of the final day of atonement. It says, then God's temple in heaven was opened and within his temple was seen the ark of his covenant. And there came flashes of lightning, rumblings, peals of thunder, an earthquake and a great hailstorm. The day is going to come and I believe soon when there's going to come a cry from the throne of God, it is finished. And the kingdoms of this world have become the kingdoms of our Lord and of his Christ. And he will reign forever and ever. Please come now to Revelation 10 and verses 5 and onwards. 
Revelation 10 verses 5 and onwards. Then the angel I'd seen standing on the sea and on the land raised his right hand to heaven. And he swore by him who lives forever and ever, who created the heavens and all that is in them, the earth and all that is in it, and the sea and all that is in it, and said, there will be no more delay. But in the days when the seventh angel is about to sound his trumpet, the mystery of God will be accomplished just as he announced to his servants, the prophets. The Bible says there is coming an end of the delay. It appears to some of us that the end has been delayed, but the day is coming, my friend, when the delay is going to be ended. And the Bible tells us that God himself is going to finish this work and cut it short in righteousness. For thousands of years, God's people, the saints, have longed for the day of deliverance. Prophets and priests have prayed down through the ages, your kingdom come. They have prayed that Christ would come and finish everything and there has been a delay. But the Bible says the day is going to come when there is going to be no more delay. Let me share with you my convictions. I believe with all my soul that biblical prophetic evidence suggests strongly that we could be part of the final generation that will see the end of delay. I believe this. Why does this ministry exist? Do we believe in business as normal? Do we believe in the end going, you know, way out there and it never comes? And time just goes on for eternity. We do not believe this. We believe that the world is on a course. And we believe that the coming of Christ is at hand. And we believe the day is going to come when there is no more delay. I want you to notice briefly today four great signs that tell us that we could indeed be the last generation. Nuclear threat. But you say... The Cold War is over and there is no chance of a nuclear war. I tell you, my friend, that is false. I can remember it was the year 1962 and Beverly and I had been called into the ministry and we had been sent to a little town in the outback by the name of Broken Hill. It was a desert town. And I can remember just fresh out of college, learning to preach the gospel, learning to understand how to preach the gospel. I can remember turning on the radio. We didn't have television in those days, thank God. <laughs> and I can remember turning on the radio and hearing John Kennedy give a speech and saying that something has to happen. And then we got the newspapers and we saw that there was a great crisis in Cuba. I was watching the History Channel the other night and I discovered things that I had not dreamed were possible. That in those days the world came this close to annihilation. That when the Americans flew over Cuba with a U-2 to take the pictures, that U-2 was shot down not by the Cubans but by the Russians because the, because the Cubans didn't have the rockets. And when Kennedy heard this, he said, maybe we've gone too far. Maybe nothing is going to save us now. 
And some of those men, they were then, they were on the television program and they were no longer young men. But some of them said, we never thought we'd have another cabinet meeting. We went home and said goodbye to the president, President Kennedy, and we thought this is going to be the end. And across this country, did you know the silos opened up? And the rockets were fueled, and they were armed, and they were pointing towards the Soviet Union. And they were ready to go. This nation had come down to a time when there apparently was going to be no more delay. And across the vast bosom of that land which was called the Soviet Union, right across Siberia, there were thousands of missiles that were open and rockets smoking ready to go. There is only one thing that stopped the annihilation of this world, and that was the overriding hand of Almighty God. The Bible tells us in Revelation chapter 7 that the angels, those restless angels, are saying, hold, 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 until the servants of my God, until the servants of our God are sealed in their foreheads. And when the work of God is finished, those angels are going to say, let it go, and there's going to be no more delay. This world is still facing nuclear annihilation. I know it is so. We have today the most dangerous situation, worse than it was in the days of John F. Kennedy. Here is China that has been systematically stealing nuclear secrets from the United States while this nation has been sound asleep. And China is arming not because they like us, they are arming because they believe in the concept of Armageddon. And then we have other renegade states like North Korea, a full-fledged communist, atheistic state that can't even feed its own people. But it has, with the help of this nation, a nuclear program. It is arming, my friend, for the last great battle. It is arming for the battle of Armageddon. And then we have Iraq and other rogue nations that are working constantly to build nuclear devices. And the Bible tells us that when Jesus comes, he's going to destroy those who are destroying the earth. And that is why I suggest to you on the authority of the evidence of Bible prophecy that the day is coming soon when Almighty God is going to say to the inhabitants of this planet, no more delay and Jesus is going to come. I want to talk about the collapse of morality. Sign, I could give you 20 signs, but this is enough for today. Nuclear threat, the collapse of morality, the angry planet and opening and closing doors. Let's talk about the collapse of morality. I believe in the historicity of the book of Genesis. I believe in the historicity of creation week. I believe in the historicity of the flood. I believe in the flood not just because of a bit of geology. I believe in the flood and I believe in Noah because Jesus did. And Jesus said, as it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be in the last days. 
And when I turn to the book of Genesis, I read that the thoughts of man's heart, men's hearts, these thoughts were only evil continually. And man had a one-track mind, it had become a dirt track. And the Bible says that the earth was filled with violence. And the Bible says, God says, I am going to come in judgment upon the world. And the Bible said to Noah, I can't take it any longer. I see their evil. I see their violence. And God said to Noah, there is going to be no more delay. And God sent a flood upon the guilty inhabitants of this world. God is not only a God of love, which he is, but God is a God of justice and God is a God of judgment. I noticed there in Washington, I think it's at the Lincoln Memorial. On the, I think it's there, maybe another memorial. Are the words written, when I think that God is just, when I think that God is just, when I think that God is just, and justice cannot sleep forever. This man said, I tremble for my people. He was talking about slavery. God is an almighty God and he is a just God and sin cannot go on forever. There was a flood and the Bible says as it was in the days of Noah so shall it be in the last days. We've got satellite television for good or for worse and I noticed just a few weeks ago that we can get now BBC America and so late last one night, I think it was on a Saturday night, I turned on the satellite and I picked up BBC America and I thought, well, I'm going to get a little bit of something decent. Not going to watch that American rubbish anymore. <laughs> Said, I'm going to get some good British culture. I got it all right. I got a homosexual marriage and two women standing there being married by a priest and kissing on the lips. Now people say today, why get uptight over that? Because the Bible says it's a sin against God and the Bible says it's an abomination. You go read your Bible, don't argue with me about it. The Bible says it is abomination. Now God loves the homosexual, God loves the lesbian and I would love them to come and hear this preaching. God loves those people, but I want you to know that Sodom and Gomorrah were destroyed by an almighty God because of the practice of the sins of homosexuality. That is the teaching of the Word of God. And I think it's a deplorable thing that this nation has had its morals pulled down on this issue by the very present White House that has condoned the worst of sins in the name of compassion. The Bible says, God is just and justice cannot sleep forever. And that includes the White House. I was given a magazine just recently. I'm given lots of stuff to read. And somebody sent me a magazine. It showed two ladies they were priests in a church being married and kissing 
and hugging and standing behind them were 70 ministers saying, God bless you, we're going to spread it everywhere. You may not like what I'm saying today, but I want to tell you there is a judgment day and God is not going to be mocked. And the Bible tells us that the day is going to come when Christ is going to come in judgment. I was reading just the other day, it happened this week, of a 12-year-old boy, just a kid. A little boy of 12 years of age in Florida went and killed his next-door neighbor, a little girl of five, and then stuffed her, be- stuffed her body under her, his bed. Today we are seeing monstrous crimes becoming commonplace. And people today, hey, oh, here's a boy at 12, he kills a little five-year-old girl, pass the sugar, you know, so what? School killings, what has gone wrong with America? I can tell you, my friend, it is because so many in America have given in to the prophets of secularism and the prophets of unbelief and the prophets of liberalism. And people, unfortunately, in this country want to be told what they want to be told. It is high time that the preachers in this land lifted their voices and stood out against sin. And the Bible tells us there's going to be no more delay. The Bible talks also, did you know, about an angry planet? Would you come over here to Luke chapter 21? Luke chapter 21 and verse 25 and onwards, Luke 21 and verse 25 and onwards, and Jesus says, there'll be signs in the sun, moon, and stars on the earth. Nations will be in anguish and perplexity at the roaring and tossing of the sea. Men will faint from terror, apprehensive of what is coming on the world, for the heavenly bodies will be shaken. At that time, they will see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with power and great glory. When these things begin to take place, stand up and lift up your heads because your redemption is drawing near. The Bible says that changes are going to take place in the planet. The Bible talks about the sea and the waves roaring and the Bible talks about earthquakes, it talks about tornadoes and it talks about natural disasters. Global warming is happening quicker than we thought it would. I saw a thing on the Learning Channel where they've discovered that the Great Lakes, part of the Great Lakes in the United States of America, the water on the surface is between 15 and 20 degrees hotter. New York this week is sizzling and the roads are buckling, and the bridges are buckling because they're not used to this tremendous heat. Did you know that Moscow that is used to frigid temperatures right now is surrounded by fires that are burning out of control and the fires are underground? The fires have got into the peat bogs around Moscow and for the first time in history around Moscow the ground is burning. 
The day is going to come when the poles are going to melt and the water is going to rise and the water temperature is going to get hot and hot and there are going to be storms and tornadoes that are going to tear this planet apart and it is starting and God wants you to know there's going to be no more delay. You better believe it, my friend. Now what is more? The Bible tells us that a great sign, a great omen is opening and closing doors. Come with me to Matthew 24 and verse 9 and onwards, dear friends. Matthew 24. This is the little apocalypse, the great chapter on the second coming. Matthew 24 and verse 9 and onwards. Then you'll be handed over to be persecuted and put to death and you'll be hated by all nations because of me. At that time, many will turn away from the faith and will betray and hate each other. And many false prophets will appear and deceive many people. Because of the increase of wickedness, the love of most will grow cold. But he who stands firm to the end will be saved. And this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all nations. And then the end will come. The Bible says that God is going to open doors once riveted shut. We see it happening. For instance, in Irkutsk, still run by the communists, a city of a million people in eastern Siberia, the Russian government there says, I want you to come. Please come. We are unbelievers. Right across that vast land, there are millions of people and hundreds of towns and cities where doors are opening for the first time in hundreds of years. It is a sign, a clear omen, that there's going to be no more delay. God is finishing his work in the earth. At the same time, not only are there doors opening, but there are doors that are closing. There are places in Russia today where the doors were open a year or two ago and we can no longer go there. Doors are closing and the Orthodox Church is establishing an iron grip upon the people. And if you go there, you face persecution or death. The Bible says that God's people are going to be sealed in their foreheads and then the door is going to close. Therefore, I'm convinced that we very well could be part of the final generation. I've not placed here upon the blackboard one of the most significant signs, and that is the lethargy of God's Latter-day Church that seems to be completely asleep and oblivious to the greatest events in the history of the world that also was predicted, it is a sign.
what lies ahead for the church in the world. Come with me to Matthew 24 and verse 14 and onwards. Matthew 24 and verse 14 and onwards. Jesus says, And this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all nations, and then the end will come. Doesn't that give you hope? People come to me and they say, do you have the budget for the campaign? We say, no, we don't. But the Bible says the gospel will be preached. And that means that if we need to get a certain amount of money so the gospel can be preached, that means that God is going to guarantee our success in preaching that gospel. And the Spirit of God is going to go and move upon human hearts and human hearts are going to be softened by the Spirit of God and they're going to give money so the prophecy can be fulfilled. We see it happening today. This gospel will be preached. So verse 15 says, So when you see standing in the holy place the abomination that causes desolation, spoken of through the prophet Daniel, let the reader understand then let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains. Let no one on the roof of his house go down to take anything out of the house. Let no one in the field go back to get his cloak. How dreadful it'll be in those days for pregnant women and nursing mothers. Pray that your flight will not take place in winter or on the Sabbath. For then there'll be great distress, unequal from the beginning of the world until now, and never to be equal again. If those days had not been cut short, no one would survive. But for the sake of the elect, those days will be shortened. At that time, if anyone says to you, look, here is the Christ, or oh, there he is, do not believe it. For false Christs and false prophets will appear and perform great signs and miracles to deceive even the elect, if that were possible. See, I've told you ahead of time. So if anyone tells you, there he is, out in the desert, do not go out, or here he is in the inner rooms, do not believe it. For as lightning that comes from the east is visible even in the west, so will be the coming of the Son of Man. Wherever there is a carcass, there the vultures will gather. Immediately after the distress of those days, the sun will be darkened, and the moon will not give its light. The stars will fall from the sky, and the heavenly bodies will be shaken. At that time, the sign of the Son of Man will appear in the sky, and all the nations of the earth will mourn. They will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of the sky with power and great glory. And who can say amen? Amen. amen. The Bible says, now we're living here somewhere. But the Bible says the gospel will go to the world. Doesn't it do something to your heart, my beloved church members, to know that you are a part of God's plan? That you are helping to fulfill Bible prophecy. When you come with us to Russia, or when you send money to this ministry so the word of God can go and be preached, you are a part of God's plan. Amen. You are a part of this prophecy. So the gospel is going to go to the world. The Bible says there is going to be a worldwide persecution. The Bible talks about the abomination of desolation, the Antichrist, who comes and stands in the holy place. And so the Bible talks about persecution, and it talks about the last generation, and it talks about the signs in the heavens. Right at the very end of time, 
we are going to see cosmic signs and wonders cosmic signs and wonders and on this earth there are going to be false Christs and false prophets and false preachers and the Bible tells us while this is going on God is going to have you God is going to have his children he's going to have his dedicated saints who understand the everlasting gospel he's going to have his generation and that generation is going to take the gospel to the world and then when that gospel goes to the world God is going to say no more delay and Jesus is going to come I believe with all my heart that we could be the last generation and then there comes the universal closing of the door of mercy that Adventist Christians have historically called the close of probation. We don't often talk about it because today it is not politically correct. Let's be politically incorrect for God's glory. Amen. Come with me to Amos chapter 8 and onwards <coughs> Amos chapter 8 one of these minor prophets with a major message back in the Old Testament Daniel Hosea Joel Amos chapter 8 Amos 8 verse 1 and onwards this is what the sovereign Lord showed me a basket of ripe fruit what do you see Amos he asked a basket of ripe fruit I answered then the Lord said to me the time is ripe for my people Israel. I will spare them no longer. In that day declares the sovereign Lord, the songs in the temple will turn to wailing. Many, many bodies flung everywhere. Silence. Then you come to verse 11 and 12. The days are coming, declares the sovereign Lord, when I will send a famine throughout the land. Not a famine of food or a thirst for water, but a famine of hearing the words of the Lord. Men will stagger from sea to sea and wander from north to east, searching for the word of the Lord, but they will not find it. The Bible teaches, listen to me carefully, the Bible teaches that there comes the day of final reckoning. It says that the world is ripe for the harvest. The last sermon has been preached. Did you know the day is going to come when the Bible is going to be closed on the pulpit and the pews are going to be empty of men before the second coming, before the second coming, before the second coming. Jesus our high priest who died for our sins on the cross, who loves us with all his heart, is going to stand up and say, the last man, the last woman, the last child has had his opportunity. He's going to say, no more delay, and the door of mercy is going to be shut. And in that day, people who've had an opportunity but are turned away from that opportunity, are going to stagger from sea to sea, 
from the north to the south, looking for the word of God. It'll be too late. There'll be no more grace. We are living today in the time of grace. But when Jesus finishes his work as our high priest, mercy will cease to plead for the guilty inhabitants of the human race. And the door of mercy is going to close. You and I are living here today. And if the Spirit of God talks to your heart today, and you say no to God, and if that door should close, then tomorrow it'll be too late. There will be no more delay. And after probation closes, people filled with a sense of impending doom will say, oh, that I could read my Bible. I'll open it, it'll make no sense. They'll say, oh, that I could go to church and I could come forward in an altar call. But they'll say, I can't. I don't have any inclination. Something has gone wrong. The world collectively has committed the unpardonable sin. Then the Bible says, the seven last plagues come upon the earth. I want to say this to you today. If you are living for money, if you're living simply to enjoy the boom, you're building on sinking sand. The day is going to come when every one of us is going to realize that the only thing that counts is a right relationship with Christ. Amen. Amen. Only thing that counts not the money you've got in the bank, not the smart business deal that you're going to do this afternoon or tomorrow, but your relationship with Christ that is shown by your willingness to be partners with Christ in carrying the grace of God to a dying world. I want you to read a text that has made an impression upon me like few texts. I want you to come to Ezekiel chapter 7, dear hearts. Ezekiel chapter 7. Come back here to the Old Testament to Ezekiel chapter 7 that describes the last day and the closing door. Ezekiel 7 verse 1 and onwards. Ezekiel 7 verse 1 and onwards. The word of the Lord came to me, son of man, this is what the sovereign Lord says to the land of Israel. The end, the end has come upon the four corners of the land. The end is now come upon you and I will unleash my anger against you. And verse 5, this is what the sovereign Lord says, disaster. An unheard of disaster is coming. The end has come. The end has come. It has roused itself against you. It has come. And then you come down here to verse 19. They will throw their silver into the streets 
and their gold will be an unclean thing. Their silver and gold will not be able to save them in the day of the Lord's wrath. They will not satisfy their hunger or fill their stomachs with it, for it has made them stumble into sin. I remember great old Scotch preacher George Burnside telling the story. He described this day. He said a young man comes down to breakfast. His name is John. His wife says, would you like something to eat? He says, no, I, I don't want anything to eat. She said, you look terrible. What's wrong? He said, I don't know what's wrong. I just feel the doom of the damned. And he says, I know what it is. I put my money before God. He runs into his bedroom where he's got his money hidden. And he picks up the can, the box. He thinks, if I can only get rid of this stuff, I'll feel better. He snatches up his hat, said George Burnside. He runs out, and everywhere in the streets of America, people are running. People are looking. Strangest feeling. He takes his money. There's a wind blowing. He takes his money. He thinks if I can get rid of it, I'll feel better. And he throws the hundred dollar bills out into the streets. He takes the silver coins. He throws them out into the streets. Nobody stops. Nobody cares. The Bible says, it is the stumbling block of their iniquity. Money, the love of it, is going to keep more people out of the kingdom of God in America than any other sin, the love of it. This is going to happen when probation closes. And then comes the second coming. When Jesus comes, he comes in glory and splendor and majesty and raises the dead. What a day that is going to be when he raises the dead. In 1976, I was in a town in Australia by the name of Albury. Ran a campaign. A beautiful couple came just newly married, Greg and Laris Eames. I preached to them the word and they gave their lives to Christ. Laris was a beautiful girl, physically beautiful, but particularly beautiful in nature and character. I still remember baptizing Laris, her long hair that got all wet. Last year I heard the news that Laris had cancer. She has had three children. After I left, we called and visited her in 1979 when her firstborn son was born. Spoke to him last night, he said, Mom says, you gave me the little toy, the giraffe. I still have it. 
cancer came and she fought it. And when I called her, I called her to pray with her and to lift her up. By the time I was through the visit on the phone, she'd lifted me up. Her face, I can tell it, was shining as she talked to me. She said, do you still remember me? I said, Loris, I've never forgotten you. How is Greg? How is your mother-in-law? How are the girls? How is the boy? She was buried this last Wednesday. I did not know. I called last night. Greg wasn't home. But I got the boy. He's now 20. I said, you can be proud of your mom. Just the sweetest, the most beautiful lady. But I said, you're going to see her again when Jesus comes. And so I said to him, because I think this boy is kicking over the traces and going through a difficult time. He was home because I don't think he went to church with his dad and his sisters. That's why I think he was home. See, when I called, it's Friday night here, Saturday in Australia. And I said to him, you know, Matthew, we want to see your mom again. I want to see your mom because she's going to be there. She's going to be there. She knew it. I know it. I said, it's a long time since I've seen you, but I want you to give your life to Christ today so that your mother's not going to be disappointed. So when she comes up in all her beauty with a long golden hair, she greets Greg, her husband, and the girls, she won't be looking for her boy in vain. What about you, friend? Are you ready for that day? Where are we living? Right at the end of time. What should we do? We should come to Christ. Once upon a time, there was a young woman who was given a job in a big silk mill. That silk was hard to handle, hard to weave. And her employer said to her, young lady, this was years ago, if anything goes wrong with the silk, don't try to straighten it out. Just call me. It was her first day on the job. He'd only be gone for 10 minutes, and the silk started to tangle. She thought, I can't call him. He'll think I'm foolish. I can't handle my job. So she tried to straighten it out. It got worse. And in the end, there was a dreadful tangle, and she pushed the button and stopped the machine, and the boss came running. And he said to her, why didn't you call me? She said, sir, I did my best. And he said, young lady, the best thing you could have done was to call for me. Our best is not enough. We need to call upon God. We need to say, oh Christ, come into my life. The Bible says, seek the Lord while he may be found. Notice the word while. He won't always be there. 
Seek him today. The best thing you can do, friend, is to call for God while you have the opportunity. Then there's something else we need to do. We need to share the gospel with the lost. In a few days' time, my team and I, a hundred strong with the New England Youth Ensemble, plus another 30 Russian pastors, are going to Irkutsk. We're going to commence a crusade in a great outdoor stadium that seats 25,000. You say to me, I can't go, I'd like to go. But maybe you can give, friend. Maybe you can give of your silver and your gold so that others can receive the silver and the gold of the gospel. I call upon you today to call upon Christ and to call upon God and to become his partner in the preaching of the everlasting gospel. I want you now to bow your heads. We're going to bring you to God in prayer. Our God, we believe that the message is no more delay, that Christ is going to come soon. The door of mercy is going to close for the human race. The signs tell us the hour is late. And therefore, our Father, the best thing we can do is to call upon God. How many in the church today would lift up a hand and say, today I call upon God in prayer? Would you raise your hand? I call upon my Father, and I ask my Father to come to my assistance and to take up the tangled strains where we have toiled in vain and just take over our lives and wash us in the blood of Jesus and fill us with his Holy Spirit and make us into new people. Can you say amen to that today? Amen. Lower your hands. And how many today in this great church will say, I by the grace will be Christ's partner in taking the gospel of Christ to a dying world. Would you raise your hand? That's what every Christian will want to do today. Yes, Lord, you can count me in. Bless these hands, Lord. Bless these hearts. Fill us with grace abounding and the assurance of a place with Jesus in the kingdom. We worship you. We bless you. We thank you. We give you glory and honor. In Jesus' name, amen.